0: Dive in together into the Localization Fireside Chat. Good afternoon, everybody, and thank you for joining us. This is Robin Ayoub from the Localization Fireside Chat. Welcome to another episode. Welcome to another conversation on the localization topic. And today I am honored and I have the privilege to have with me a friend, a colleague. We worked together on the CLIA board before, Roxanne Whiting. And Roxanne manages and runs a, she's a successful entrepreneur who's based in Ottawa, Canada, runs a company that's solely dedicated to sign languages. I'm sure there are many services that you provide, but I know you from sign languages okay. providers. So thank you, uh, Roxanne, for joining me this morning. I really appreciate it. Like we say on this channel, everybody's got a story. So <laughs> tell us your story. How did you get into this business? What drove you to it? And uh, you know, just to, look, to get to know a little bit about you as a person, as a business, for the audience to get to know you a little bit better. Sure.
1: Yeah, no, thanks for having me. And it's good to see you. And wow. Well, both of my parents are deaf. So I'm referred to as a child of deaf adults. So a lot of people may have seen that movie that came out last year or the year before. So growing up, really learned sign language as my first language and English as my second language. But it was really a bilingual environment. I didn't dream about becoming an interpreter or running a sign language interpreting business but after high school i was working in a series of different retail jobs and one of my former teachers happened to come in and she was like she was shocked to see me there she said what are you doing and i said i'm <laughs> i'm working and she said yeah but you know sign language and i'm like right and she's like do you know that the federal government the translation bureau hire sign language interpreters. And I did know this because my mother worked for the federal government, and she used interpreters all the time. So I don't know, I guess when she left, it sparked something in me. And I just thought, well, let me check into it, because I, I hadn't really had a clear idea of what I wanted to do. So long story short, I ended up going to Edmonton, Alberta, where they had an interpreting program. And after I graduated there, I decided to come back to Ottawa, which was Probably the best thing I ever did, actually, because I thought I would stay out west. But out west, it was, I don't know, wasn't my cup of tea. Let's just say that. And then, so when I came back, I picked up the phone and I called. So there used to be a directory in the deaf community with all the deaf people and all the interpreters. And I picked up the phone and called all the interpreters. And I said, hi, you might know me or my mother, probably. But I knew I'm a new interpreter. And so I started getting involved in the, at that time, there was a local chapter of our professional association and got involved that way. And when I passed the Translation Bureau screening for Sign Language Interpreting, I started working with what was then called Sign Language Interpreting Associates Ottawa. It's We rebranded <laughs> last year to a sign and I quickly became part of the leadership team and You know, we could talk about that a little bit more later, but about 22 years ago, I married my husband, and he's Dominican, so I actually, I speak Spanish, but not enough to interpret, and I've got two kids, 15 and 12 now, keep me busy, and... And a little dog. I don't <laughs> know what else you want to know about me at this no, point. No, but, no, no.
0: That's, you're that's doing very well. Yeah. You're doing well. Thank you. And so what's the name of your company? And are you, do you have employees, I guess, for the audience to get a bit of an appreciation of your organization?
1: Sure. So as I mentioned, we just rebranded. So our name now is Assign, A-S-I-G-N. And it was a challenge to change it because we've been around for 27 years. So our business- What was it called before? sign language interpreting associates ottawa and we used to go by sleo but nobody could ever pronounce it and i'd meet with a new customer or you know and they'd be like sleo like they they couldn't say it (laughs) and but the reason we changed because um for the first i would say so the business started in 1997 and in 20 uh, the crtc was evaluating the viability of having video relay service a telecommunication service for deaf people in canada and when they put out the request for proposals after it was approved by the crtc we decided to bid and we won a contract to provide sign language like american sign language interpreting the service provides both american sign language asl and lsq the landes in the quebecois and so we were awarded a contract and that changed our business overnight. So at that time, you're asking me how many employees and whatnot. So at that time, we were Ottawa based. We had three employees or four, which were the leadership team. And then everybody else was a contractor. So once we got that contract, we I think the first two years, I set up two different call centers And then we set up another call center in Edmonton, Alberta, the year after in Halifax, Nova Scotia, and then the year after that in Toronto, Ontario. And then COVID hit. And then we kind of reshifted. We were still hiring through COVID. Like, COVID didn't really impact us at all because we were spreading out across Canada for the video relay service. We, well, I had drafted a plan to convert to remote so that we could access more interpreting resources that didn't live near a city center or where we had a call center. And it was kind of on a shelf when I wrote it in 2018. And then when the COVID hit, I said, okay, here's the plan. And so then we went ahead. And so now today we have a total of 197 employees, about 166 of them are interpreters. So we've, really grown a lot since absolutely it, yeah
0: and you know you know we talk a lot about on this channel about uh, localization of various formats uh, you know languages etc one thing i think it's not getting enough coverage is what you do the services mm-hmm. that you provide because it's such an important service to offer for those who are incapable of hearing and speaking and but they need to we need to get the message to those to those to those a group of people as well right so and to hear you focusing solely on this is such an important, you know, it's, language in general, the industry in general is about connecting people. And Absolutely. you take it, your company take it to the next level. You know, those individuals with disability and now they have access to information. Now they have access to conformi- conformi- uh, conversation and they're not disconnected from society just because they are they have some sort of a disability that prevents them from understanding the conversation. So
1: yeah, I think the important thing to note, I think with any language service, so interpreting or translation, it's it's like you said it connects people. So it's not just about who needs it. everybody needs it. So the people who are deaf that need, Interpreting services or translation, it's as much for you as it is for them because you're not able to communicate with them either, right? right. So we do offer translation services. So not in the way that typically we refer to spoken language translation Mm -hmm. versus sign language translation, but we're doing it all the time. So we take text-based content and... It is translated into ASL or lsq and provided in a video format. Because of the Accessible Canada's Act, that passed in twenty. that regulates federal government and federal federally legislated institutions to be accessible. But not only that, it recognizes ASL, LSq, mm-hmm. and indigenous sign languages, ISL, mm-hmm. as the primary languages of Canadians. That's an mm-hmm. important distinction because, With that recognition, people do, organizations, businesses, private, government,
0: Mm -hmm. all
1: levels have to really take into consideration now that the information and services they offer are offered in those languages. So it's going to be a big shift for everybody, but we've been contacted over even prior to that act being passed, but more so now from government departments that are legislated, they have to provide an accessibility plan, and they have to translate it. So we're doing a lot of that. But one of the cool things with translation, and we could talk about interpretation after, but we have created, we call it a floating widget or a floating translator. So if you go to our website, assign.ca, as soon as you open the page, you're going to see a human interpreting or translating the content on our website. So every page you go to, it will be there and you can pause it or you can we're we're adding more functionality so you can like rewind and do other things and we're constantly um, looking to improve it but this is something innovative that people should be looking at and, and thinking about incorporating on their website in terms of offering that accessibility because otherwise you have to direct people to a youtube link to see a translated document or a video or something that you're doing, but you can incorporate translation on your website. I see you're pulling it up.
0: Yes, yeah, I want to share it too with the audience, and and this is what Roxanne is talking about, and it's very very important because if you are in, in not just the federal government, you know, this is supposed to be everybody. Absolutely. Like Ontario has one, every province now has one. Correct. Where your website or your publicly facing content need to be accessible, and they fall under the Accessibility Act, right? Correct? Correct.
1: uh, Yeah, that's absolutely correct. So this is one way that you can can do it, because a lot of people say, well, what parts of our website should we translate? Like, what needs to be translated? And we can't necessarily answer those questions for you, but certainly the main content of your website that you know, maybe a lot of your visitors go to, like, you can get those metrics and kind of figure it out. But certainly having something like this on your website would be a great first step, because that not only provides access to the deaf community that are coming to your website, but it also tells them that you're open-minded, you're open to accessibility. And so when they contact you for services or questions, you know, hopefully you'll be able to provide them access even there so hiring an interpreter or you know doing something else like just providing that that access that's right.
0: yeah that's right and and you know one of the one of the main again g- keeps going back to connecting people right so you know people with disability of hearing they're not excluded from society and because
1: Absolutely.
0: because they go on a website they sh- or, or they should be able to understand see and everything else in between as regular human function
1: with all their senses. Well, absolutely, but one of the things that, so we offer interpreting on demand now, right? So with video technology, you can provide instant access to people walking into your business. A lot of people are contacting us, but then they're like, well, I'm not sure, you know, I don't even know if deaf people come. And it's like, well, they're not coming because you're not accessible. And if you do implement the service, then you need to let them know that it's available so that they come in. One example of like Service Canada in their 344 locations has implemented our video remote interpreting on-demand service in both ASL and LSQ because Canada is bilingual. It's a bilingual service. Any, you know. English or Anglophone or going into Service Canada can expect to communicate in those languages, but you can now. It's fantastic. A lot of mm-hmm. deaf people don't know. They go in, they're completely surprised um, about that. And we do have some other customers like that. So that's kind of where, you know, you can use translation to be accessible with our services, but also on demand interpreting.
0: So Roxanne, talk to me a little bit about some statistics, like yeah. what is the percentage of? individuals in Canada let's say with this type of disability
1: that are deaf love,
0: well yeah.
1: stat i think the last accurate census with that information is i think it's from 2016 i'd have to go check but it it basically estimates 10% of the population is deaf so one would say across Canada then maybe 300,000 350,000 people however mm. I think there was a, there's was been a more recent census than that, and I haven't seen the data, but I know when yeah. I got the census and I had to answer it, it is asking now for other languages, and there was, I think, the question about sign language. So mm-hmm. I think more people are now going to answer sign language, and I think part yeah. of the census was actually translated into ASL and LSQ, which is fantastic, because more Deaf people would answer it, because... English and French is not their primary language so you can imagine reading a document like that they might shy away from it because of lack of understanding
0: of course and the like from me you talked about LSQ and you talked about ASL and of course you talked also about aboriginal sign mm-hmm. languages so for those who don't know what is primarily difference is it like the regular languages you know English is English French is French and the rest of it
1: For every spoken English, uh, for every spoken language, there's a sign language. Okay. So when we go to the UK, for example, in in England, they use English. We use English here, but their sign language is completely different. Yeah. So there's German sign language, Chinese sign language, Mandarin, like there's all sorts. And even within Canada, we have different dialects of sign language. Mm -hmm. We have maritime sign language. Different provinces have distinct... Signs, like, so it would be like dialects in spoken language, right? It's the same Mm -hmm. thing in sign language. Even, you know, North America, we call it American Sign Language. So the United States and Canada, we're North American. Often people say, well, why isn't it called Canadian Sign Language? I don't know. But we share the same language. But there are tons of differences between Canada and the U.S. We share the common language, but there's certainly different signs or dialects.
0: Of course, and so, you know, in the regular localization world, I guess there'd be issues like technology, resources, and I know mm-hmm. you just went through rebranding. We had a couple of podcasts on specifically on rebranding, and some of the some of the some of the items that you were talking about in terms of challenges, people were addressing those as well. So, but from a resource and technology perspective, how do you view that specifically, like on those? minority languages, I would call them like, you know, Aboriginal language, I'm assuming you don't have a lot of resources
1: in 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 Aboriginal languages? Or is it hard to come by? So, absolutely. Yeah. So you have to think, so deaf people, especially, you know, 20, 30, 40 years ago, their parents sent them to schools for the deaf. And at that time, across Canada, there were several. And so we know that Indigenous children, were sent to residential schools, indigenous, you know, these residential schools, right? But the deaf indigenous children were sent to schools for the deaf. Mm -hmm. So they left their communities up north or wherever they were. They went to these schools for the deaf. They learned ASL. Mm -hmm. And when they returned back to their families, well, their families don't speak English and they also don't use American Sign Language. So there are very few pockets of individuals that use indigenous sign languages, and there's multiple. There's like Plains sign language, there's Odina sign language, and I don't need, I don't know all of them. We do have one interpreter that works with us that is indigenous herself. She, her mother is deaf, but her mother doesn't use any indigenous sign languages. So hmm. it there are efforts now to, re, you know, revive those languages, but it's a very, very scarce, scarce rather language. So we don't, but in Mm -hmm. what happens is, is we use there's a a term or like we call them deaf interpreters, so they're deaf Mm -hmm. individuals, but they're trained as interpreters and they'll work with an interpreter like myself and we co-team. And so when there's people in the audience that we're not sure of their language abilities or levels, A deaf interpreter works with us because of their shared experience and culture, and they're able to provide a better translation or interpretation, if you will. So it's... Yeah. So
0: talk to me, you you mentioned training several times. So a question before we get into training, can
1: anybody become an interpreter? Well, you have to be fluent in the language and then take training at a recognized... Yeah, then then you have to have a
0: training, obviously, right? So... Yes. And then... So I speak English or I speak French, let's say, or somebody other than me speak other languages and they're interested in becoming a, you know, a sign language interpreter.
1: Mm-hmm. What
0: would they need to do to, you know, fulfill that objective, I guess?
1: Well, they would need to take some <clears throat> courses in ASL or LSQ. And, do we have uh, a school
0: in Canada that graduate, that you know, that graduate these individuals or train these in- individuals?
1: Interpretation programs?
0: Yeah, like for for sign language.
1: Yes. Yeah. George Brown College has a BA Mm -hmm. program in sign language interpreting. Vancouver Community College. There were other, I think Halifax also has one. There used to be several, but some of those programs have closed. But in order to become an interpreter, ideally you're fluent in the language first. So you can take sign language courses at your local community college. You can Mm -hmm. take them at private Agencies are higher. Lots of deaf people offer their services one-on-one. So you can do that coursework with them and then go on and study to become an interpreter. Those programs though are three, at least three years mm-hmm. in length. And once you graduate, then the learning continues, but you're, mm-hmm. you're able to work with more experienced. So on the
0: LSQ side, I'm assuming they have some training facilities in Quebec as well for the French language. They correct?
1: do, but I believe there's only <clears throat> one institution and I don't know the name of it, I think it's in Montreal, but mm-hmm. the, there's not there's not a lot of LSQ interpreters. But the mm-hmm. whole, like interpreters in general, because it's such a specialized language, there's not a lot of us. The government, uh, employ, ESDC, they have a fund, Opportunities for Disabilities Fund, I might have gotten that wrong, but they've just put out a call for concepts to increase because they recognize that there's not enough capacity for sign language interpreting or deaf led instructors. So meaning deaf people to teach sign language. So there is a fund right now that people are applying for to address that problem. So I'm glad the government's looking into it because over time, we hope that there'll be more people interested and Come into the field, but not only come into it, but stay in the field.
0: You know, you and I have worked uh, together for a few years. So, mm-hmm. you know, the major issues in the industries you're familiar with, and, you know, I don't want to sound redundant, but the for the sake of the audience, lack of resources, you know, ever-changing technologies, you mm-hmm. know, and few market changes, those kinds of things. Mm-hmm. Uh so on the on the resourcing side of things are you finding all the individuals you want to find just want to close the loop on this one do you have shortage of resources now and if yes i'm i'm assuming you're you're addressing this with you know the training facilities or the training colleges so you can get some graduates is that how it works
1: well Yes and no. So we're fortunate. We have a lot of interpreters that want to work with us. Um, you have and a unique
0: so- proposition. I mean, you know, you know, your your company is very unique. I never I haven't had a chance to meet any other Canadian company with what you're offering and it's very specialized and kudos to you, you know. Uh, I I always think about how you've built this company from the ground up. I'm proud of you. You're oh, great job. You. Like I yeah, I'm thrilled for you to be honest. It's, oh, it's
1: Well, it's, it's, it's a team job. effort. You know, we oh, work I know. It's a, together, it's not but... a team
0: sport. It's not one yeah. individual. I get that.
1: Yeah, no, no, but it's there are other <laughs> sign language interpreting agencies out there. Some of them are are nonprofit and they have an interpreting department, but yeah. they offer audiology and other, other services things. not yeah. just for deaf people. And then but there's certainly, you know, others like us in the industry here in Canada. However,
0: mm-hmm.
1: we're proud that you know we're fully Canadian because there's some American companies that have set up shop here and are, you know, hiring Canadian interpreters and things like that. So it's a, a little bit of a challenge sometimes. But we have a waiting list of people that want to work with us. So it, but
0: very overall
1: good. across the country there is a shortage. And we of course want more interpreters, but we do work with the the colleges interpreting programs and we try and take practicum students, but they're facing a challenge because they're not getting enough students in those programs. And when they do get some students, some of them don't last. And so then, you know, let's say they take in 20 students at the mm-hmm. end of the program, they might have four that mm-hmm. actually graduate. So it, it's, a, it's an issue. So the government with this funding wants to see organizations like myself create programs and other things to, to change that.
0: You know, I just thought of this, and I wish I'd thought of it ahead of our call today and ahead of yeah. our conversation. I wish we had another interpreter on this call, oh. on another screen, <laughs> doing, doing the interpretation oh. from an accessibility perspective, just to validate the great job that your team does. And for those individuals who are listening to this podcast and not seeing it on on, on YouTube, on video... Those are the individuals. If you've if you've ever watched a a politician give a speech, or you went to court, or any any of those events, where I hope not, what you know, events where there is a sign language interpreter mm-hmm. standing beside the podium, beside the individual delivering the actual speech, interpreting the speech. So that would be some of your staff delivering
1: absolutely these these
0: these these, these events, these interpretation yeah, events. Those,
1: yeah. And, Mm-hmm. And I
0: talked to you before on this one, like now with the video capability, you guys are taking it to the next level where you I've, I've, you know've've I've, I've, we've I've seen sessions with your team, with yourself where the video quality is incredible. Like you've set it up in a way you've got the technology is very solid. Yep. it's delivering high quality sign language to whoever they need it. And so that must have taken you some time to develop. There must have been like some pitfalls and, you know.
1: Well, we were trying to do it since 2007. I remember pitching one federal government department and saying you could provide service much more by using video. But you can imagine in 2007, the Internet wasn't great. Mm -hmm. And then the camera it was like the Cisco camera that, w- or Polycom, and it was like huge and you needed like, I don't know how many power bars, like it was just nuts. And then, but now it's it's simple, you know, like with the internet and the quality of cameras and things like that. So it, it's relatively easy to put together now, but we've certainly been looking at it for quite some time. But yeah, we do live broadcasts. We do uh, probably more so than your typical interpreter or translator, because we're kind of everywhere, <laughs> you know? Right. So, yeah. And you
0: provide your services coast to coast off, you yes. know, from my yeah. understanding. Yeah?
1: yeah. Across Canada. And yeah, I've got people contacting us all the time. Like, do you provide, Like, that was a major reason too for changing our name because people wouldn't contact us because they thought we were just Ottawa based.
0: Mm. But
1: we're not, you know, we do have an office here in Ottawa, but we provide do you do business country. outside of
0: Canada, Roxanne? Or
1: just... Once in a while, we were doing some giving some support over on the U.S. side. So once in a while we do, but primarily we're focused here.
0: So just help me understand this a little bit. Like Our industry generally is built around, from a pricing perspective, we price things per the unit price is the word. So per mm-hmm. word rate, that's what everybody understands. In your world, how do you price that? Is it per minute? Is it per hour? Man labor? How do you do that?
1: so interpreting side it's per hour and there's you know minimums depending oh similar to
0: interpreting then
1: correct yeah and then on the translation side we do do a hybrid of word count but because there are there's a filming aspect to it and there's message equivalency experts that are needed there there's a team of people involved in the translation process so There's definitely the word count, but then there's also the time of the experts that spend creating the translation and then the Mm -hmm. filming. So it's a little bit more complex than just straight word for word translation.
0: And are these, you know, these are like set prices or is it customized pricing? It's
1: I guess it's customized, but it it really just depends. Like somebody might. Yeah. And sometimes people come to us with video Like, so someone has sent them a video speaking in ASL or using LSQ and they need that translated into English or French. Yeah. Right. So, Mm -hmm. yeah, you can't just give like this random quote they call. okay, like I actually need something translated. I contacted a company the other day and I knew the amount of words and they told me right away it'll be this much per word and it'll take, you know, three and a half days. I'm like, great. If they ask us, it's like a little bit more involved, you know, so, but it, we get it done and people are happy, but yeah, it's, it it is different, but we just, we were, we just went through Orion actually to get our ISO standards done, one for translation and one for the community interpreting, okay. and we don't have the certificates in hand just yet, but apparently the technical committee checked all the boxes, so. Oh, great. Yeah, so I'm really excited about that. I think we'll be one of the only sign language interpreting companies in Canada with ISO.
0: Yeah, we're hosting Orion, David, and his team on this channel here in the next few weeks. So, oh, is that right? Uh, yeah, so we're. Uh, I'm looking forward to that conversation. Standard, is a. we had a webinar yesterday on the uh, Canadian yes, Language Association. Yes, I was there. And that was, that was well attended, you know, for webinars in Canada. Mm-hmm. It's, it's quite a number of people attended it. It was quite successful, so I think. But the question on standards, I think it's benchmarking now. It's a benchmark of quality. Yes. So, and the next one that people are talking about, I'm not sure if you're contemplating this, as a cybersecurity one. The 17001, I believe. I'm not an expert on it. Uh, so. okay.
1: Well, that's what they were talking about yesterday. It's the twenty seven hundred like two seven zero 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 one. That one. Okay. Yes. That's what they were.
0: So yeah, I mean there is there is, you know, and there is several quality quality standard that can be applied, but for a service organization, you know, standard serves the purpose of saying I do good quality and the customer saying who don't know you yet or prospect, show me. Yep. and you're saying I promise you I do good quality well that's not good enough
1: no you're saying okay exactly. well here's my
0: here's this here's the quality standard that I adhere to and I hope you know that would be sufficient for a customer to say yeah I think they've got their quality process in place and you know we got trust the uh, acute, mm-hmm. uh, quality system so
1: absolutely like I've gone through a number of um, reviews for um well if you work
0: with government that's that's you know you have to do that.
1: Well, absolutely. But we're also engaging with some financial institutions that want to use our on-demand interpreting service through video. So the platform that that we're using. And so it's a long process, but we're going through it. And so I'm very familiar with that. And when I attended that webinar yesterday, I thought, well, it could be something that we look into. Maybe not this year, but certainly in the next year or two, I think to yeah. add that on. So one of the items i like, I
0: wanted to cycle back on is, sure. because we talk a lot about on it on, on our channel, is the rebranding. Yes. And a lot of companies are taking their, you know, as, as you mentioned earlier, when you, when you said, you know, I try to tell people like, uh, what's the name of the company and they have a hard time pronouncing right. it. Mm-hmm. And, and so is the driver, like first the drivers, like what drove you to do the rebranding? And if you don't mind, talk a little bit about the process. Mm-hmm. How did you uh, come up with a new name? You know, did you hire an outside or is it inside effort? And, you know, what did you have to go through to get it done?
1: Yeah, so one of the main drivers is because we d- were providing services across Canada and our name had Ottawa in it and it just wasn't reflective of who we were anymore. So that was one mm-hmm. of the the main reasons. We had decided to, we did work with an outside consultant to help us walk us through the process of what needed to be done and then help us select some names. And of course, we come across this all the time. We got some really interesting names that, you know, using, you know, fall on deaf ears, things that were really not appropriate. Like some of the names, I can't remember exactly, but they just, we had to send them back to the drawing table several times because it just wasn't appropriate. But lots of discussion we had some internal focus groups because we have a yeah. lot of deaf staff and so we really engaged everybody so we set on the name a sign we didn't change our colors too much our branding colors I think we made a couple of tweaks white and blue yeah well no it's no we've got yes there's the blue but we had like this gold color but now there's like the sage color and purple, I don't know. It's a little different. Anyway, pretty much the same. And, but then, yeah, you have to do a lot of planning to think about everything that you have to change, not only like legal documents, but all of your suppliers, all of your contracts, you have to let all your customers know, you have to redirect emails. I mean, there's a ton of stuff. And I think that we're past, most of it, there's still occasionally something that comes up. It's like, oh, I thought we changed that. Oh, no. So I I think it's been almost a year now. So, but yeah, it, it it's a process, but I'm glad we did it. Yeah.
0: So now that we're starting 2024 and we're twelve days in, fresh year still. Yeah. Talk to me a little bit about your goals for the year. What's your goals and objective for 2024?
1: Well, the organization is certainly what we're trying to do is educate each other about accessibility regulations and expectations because we have a lot of customers that come to us and they don't understand and they're looking to us for clarification. So that's one of the things because it is top of mind. I mean, the AODA in Ontario, people have to be compliant by January 1st of next year, 2025. So we have a lot of people scrambling. So that's one of them, but we're continually trying to grow our business, try to get in our services into more places where they should be like public spaces and places where deaf people go and interact with all the time. So it's networking, education, just getting the word out. And really the main goal is accessibility. So that's what mm-hmm. we care most about. And it just so happens that we offer the services to help people.
0: Yeah. 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 No. Do you have, just talk to me a little bit about the company structure. Every company's got like operations, sales, marketing, HR, IT, finance, etc. How is your company structure? Is it similarly or you, you feel like you don't need that mega structure?
1: No, we do have a, a structure. I mean, there's three women owners. So the three of us work together. We all have our own division, but we have five directors in total. And so I run business development we have a marketing and public relations. We have operations. We have finance. We have HR. And then we have a video division because we because do. Because it's very important to you. I mean, it's essential to your business. Absolutely. And and then, of course, we have, like, managers of our call centers and running, like, because video relay service, Canada Video, video Relay, the telecommunication services is big. And we have a lot of people working for us. So we have got deaf managers that support and work with our interpreters daily. And, but yeah, and then our interpreters and our administration staff Mm -hmm. scheduling is a big one within operations. So it's pretty similar to any other business.
0: So my, my, I think my last question is around the evolution of the service that you're offering. And, you know, we talk about evolution on this channel quite a bit because it's the talk of town. Now everybody is so consumed in in the eye uh, discussion it's not mm-hmm. it's not even funny like we don't talk about translation anymore we don't talk about localization it's more mostly the conversation well, and it just yeah. in, 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 in in no i'm just talking about the volume of the conversations that they're taking place regarding the topic right so i'm assuming assuming i'm 100% certain that there's a lot of other conversations going on but from the volume of the conversation the volume of the exchange that's taking place right now you would think that we are consumed 100% about the conversation about AI and how the evolution is going to happen. So what about evolution of the service for you? Is there technology that it's evolving for you? I know I've seen you post few things about the artificial glove that does certain, you know, mimicking of, of, of sign language, but I don't know. What do you think about technology in your business? when
1: you see- i i think technology i love technology and i love seeing uh different ways that people are applying it and and being creative with it i don't think i know there's efforts to use technology to replace human sign language interpreters and i don't think that's going to be possible in my lifetime there's really there's lots of applications out there and like you said the glove that someone's signing with, But if you think about it, how are they going to understand the person signing back to them? Like the technology is only one way. You know, you need to be able to have a conversation and, and understand. And then I saw another technology. It was someone posted on LinkedIn the other day and have created this repertoire directory of a lot like an avatar, basically, of someone signing all these words but we're like in sign language, you need movement and past present intense is how you shift your body. Like the language. So looking at something two dimensional and just, again, a one way conversation. So someone's signing at me, are they recognizing my signs? And again, I may sign differently than the next person, just how we speak differently. And so I think there's lots of cool things that are are going on. Like we have our online floater translating, yes. which is one thing. So I think there's a lot of ways that we can really apply technology with sign language, but mm-hmm. replacing live interpretation, I'm not sure would be very successful,
0: uh, but I. So in I your opinion, we're... it's still a human endeavor.
1: Absolutely. Absolutely. and it will always
0: be because I of the complexity so. of the service that you're offering
1: i think so and i mean certainly you can augment human mm-hmm. sign language interpretation with technology or supplement in some ways but mm-hmm. i don't think it could be fully replaced i don't so
0: that. for those for those you know just to last year i'm worried about the time and i know you have a they have you have a time here limit on our, on this conversation i want to make sure that we're so on the last conversation, on the last comment from your side, if somebody wants to get a hold of you and help you, support you, what are you looking for?
1: So to help and support in growing the business, doing something. In growing the
0: business, sending your client your way, sending your resources your way in whatever, new, new, new ideas.
1: Sure. I mean, they're welcome to contact me through our website, assign.ca. Um, we have a form that you could fill out or you could find me on LinkedIn and arrange a direct meeting with me but really it's if you know people that are working in service industries whether that's government run or public private please encourage them to consider how they can be accessible you're mandated to do it by law now it's the right thing to do and if you need help or ideas on even just taking a small step on how to do it feel free to contact me i'd be happy to Give you some pointers, lead you in the right direction.
0: Yeah, no, I I want to you know concur with your message here that you know we it shouldn't need a a, a law to put, be put in place to make content accessible to make our 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 absolutely you know items that we sharing in public accessible. But the law is in place, and I think you mentioned January first next year is going to be coming into effect
1: for the AODA for the Ontario for the o- Disability. AODA. Act. yeah, and other provinces they're just impl- so mm-hmm. I'm not sure about other provinces. But despite that, like you're saying, it's the right thing to do. It's the right thing to do. And And so
0: if you need any help in making your content accessible, according to the AODA or whatever the province that you're in, the law that's coming up, please contact Roxanne Whiting. And I'll put Roxanne's website on the video after we do the post-editing on this video. So people can reach out to you and have a conversation at least and see where this leads. But this is a noble cause and a noble service that you're offering. And I want to emphasize this and stress this a hundred times. If you're not involved in this, at least you should find out about it. If it doesn't bother you as a customer or as an individual listening to this podcast, if it's not part of your agenda, take a listen to it, read a little bit more about it. It's very, very important. And as uh, we started this conversation by Roxanne mentioning that she's a child of a deaf mother and a deaf father, that's something that speaks volume. Because if you grew up in that environment, you have to develop things and you develop in that environment in a certain way that, you know, if somebody has not experienced this, we'll never will never understand sure. that. So
1: absolutely.
0: So I, I appreciate 100% where you're coming from. I truly appreciate the service you're doing. And a woman-owned business in Canada, successful as you are, we're all proud of you. We're all rooting for you. Thanks. We're 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 you're we're sitting on the bleachers. here at clapping. Oh. So thank you so much for your time. I really appreciate your time joining me today. I I really I love talking to you anyway. But having you on yeah. the podcast is, is, well, is great. Oh, thanks for having so. me. My pleasure. Thanks. for Any any last comment before before we close the recording?
1: No, I'm just great to have an opportunity to meet with you again and just talk more about you know what we're passionate about, providing accessibility and just you know the deaf community is a wonderful, wonderful community with its own culture and language. And I'm just happy if people learn a little something or want to take some time to read more about it, but happy to talk to anybody who uh, who wants, wants to, to find out more. more about it. Yeah, Excellent. Sure. Well, for the
0: yeah. audience, thank you so much for joining me today on this another episode on the localization fireside chat. If you're not a subscriber to our uh, channel, please feel free to subscribe. We just passed 120,000 views on, on YouTube, which, We are very good for for us, we we appreciate your support, we appreciate the viewers, the returning viewers. I know a few of you guys wait for these episodes to come online, so thank you from the bottom of my heart for your support, and the whole objective here for this channel is to increase communication for us as an industry, as individuals, as communities, here locally in, in the country we're in, in Canada and around the globe. So thank you, Roxanne, for joining me today. Thanks to the audience. And I'll see you next week on another episode. Thank you so much. Thanks Thanks for tuning in to The Localization Podcast. Take the warmth of knowledge and renewed cultural passion with you. Keep exploring. Stay curious. And until next time, this is Robin Ayoub. Keep those global conversations alive.